All right, welcome to episode 18 of Seize the Moment podcast. Today we have a very special guest. His name is Dennis Relojo Hao. He's a founder of Psych Reg, and he's featured on BBC News. He writes about mental health for various publications, and uh, he, uh, he writes, uh, he blogs, and he's on social media. And welcome, Dennis. Uh, thank you for having me. Um, I'm quite excited to be on your podcast. Hey, Dennis, thanks so much for coming on. So, can you tell us a little bit about your platform, psychrage.com, and its purpose? Yeah, so um, Psychrage is a blog, a podcast, and an open access journal. And I also organize conferences. And also, a lot of people ask me um, what's the reason behind the name. So, basically, when I started Psychrage in 2014, it was just a directory of people whose interests are in psychology. So, Psychreg originally stands for Psychology and Registry, but soon I developed it into its current platform. Oh, that's really cool. And so it says here that you've been dubbed the world's first blog psychologist. So can you tell us a little bit about that and the history behind it? Yeah, so basically um, I travel to different countries and I actively advocate for the therapeutic value of blogging. Mm -hmm. So um, one of the publications in Malaysia called me the world's first psychologist. And uh, I'm quite humbled by the recognition because um, it's a recognition of um, the, the work I do. Yeah. And I, I mean, I actually agree with you there. I think blogging is super important, not only just obviously kind of for therapeutic effect. Well, I mean, for therapists, right, in terms of the therapeutic effect, but even I think people are struggling with any sort of mental illness or I mean, any sort of physical ailments. So what brought you to blogging and what sparked your interest in it? Yeah, because um, um, growing up, I've always been an introvert and I find solace in expressing myself through writing. And so uh, until now, I still have my my diary as, as a child. Um, I still keep it with me. And um, when I came in the UK to do my master's degree, I carried out a research project on expressive writing. Um, basically, expressive writing is the idea that when you express yourself, through writing, um, you benefit psychologically because it allows you to make sense of what's happening with your life. Um, it's also a good way for you to um, process your thoughts. So um, well, when I when I did my uh, when I did my research, um, I found that that some people benefit through expressive writing and some people do not. So. Yeah, basically, that's that's the idea behind uh, me launching my own blog. But fundamentally, I was really inspired by um, more popular blogs like Psychology Today, Psych Central. You probably heard about it very well, Mike. So I want to be, um, I, I want to create a blog similar to those, but I want to have a blog which is a podcast and an open access journal, and I also want to organize my events. So. That's the that's the idea. That's the mission of Psychridge. Yeah. Thank you. God. Yeah. Do you think that's to um, highlight the the nuances in mental health? Because, for example, um, since it wouldn't be just blogging and it would be podcasting as well, and and these conferences that be organized, do you feel like that has more of a, um, an impact in the mainstream than just um, articles like from sites like Psych uh, Today, for example? Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, because um, um, I, I want psychology to be more democratic. Um, by that, I mean, it, I want it to be more accessible. Because mm -hmm. um, if you're just offering psychology through articles, you're actually it's rather delimiting to some people who like to listen to podcasts or who rather read a more scholarly um, output um, through um, academic journals or rather um, go to conferences. So that's why I try to make PsychReg as, as, as multidisciplinary as possible or as, as multi-platform as possible. Yeah. And what's your blogging journey been like? Uh, my blogging journey, um, um, uh, it traces back 15 years ago. Um, I've been blogging for 15 years. I started as a personal blogger. Um, what I mean by personal blogger is that I just, just like any blogger, you know, you just share your thoughts, your opinions. Um, that started when I was in my 20s. And then after four or five years, I relaunched my blog to be a travel blog. Because um, also when I was in my 20s, I loved traveling. Um, so basically, it's just a platform for me to share my tips, my advices um, when I visit other countries. And then when I did my MSc, I, my interest has um, developed into mental health blogging. Um, yeah, but throughout my blogging journey, I've I've just used WordPress. Um, your listeners or you yourself might be familiar about it. Um, I tried other blogging platforms such as Wix, but um, it's quite limited to its functionality. So I just stick with WordPress. And I take myself, um, I take pride of um, being able to design um, my own website. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, so basically I designed Sacrage myself, I designed um, my personal website myself, and yeah, uh, I, I love designing websites. Yeah. <laughs> You know, uh, back to what you were saying before, I could I could really relate to you in, in the um, the fact that you said you you were uh, you're a natural introvert. Um, definitely, that's true in my case too. And like when we started the podcast, we found that it was like a great outlet to express ourselves as well. Um, Leon also writes uh, blogs as well. Um, it's not something that I happen to do, but I found that through expression, it was a way to kind of organize your your thoughts and. Um, talk about things that maybe otherwise you wouldn't, maybe with your friends and maybe mm -hmm. things that you think about to mm -hmm. yourself. And mm -hmm. yeah, it's, it's a very interesting experience. Um, ha have you noticed that when you're relating um, uh, your experiences in other countries, is, is there any kind of issue with the language barrier or is there, are people uh, there translating for you or? Um, Cause um, with, um, I've, I've always blogged in English, although English is not my first language, I've always blogged in English, um, whether as a personal blogger or as a travel blogger or as a mental blogger, it's always in English. Um, but I'd like to pick up on um, what you said about um, people blogging. Um, yeah, I, th I think that's, a, that's an important point to, to highlight because um, you know, even the American Psychological Society, um, American Psychological Association, sorry, yeah. um, with, uh, with the website, um, they do have a number of articles um, um, 
advocating for people to express themselves through blogging, even psychologists, even psychiatrists, they have their own blog. And you, you, you can see it um, with other platforms such as Psychology Today. And also here in the UK, um, like big mental health charities such as Mind and Sane, um, they also have sections on their blog where they invite people who struggle with mental health issues to share their stories. And yeah, I, I think there's, there's, um, there's, um, there's, there's freedom that um, we can gain from blogging, and and it's it's um it's a modern way to express ourselves. Yeah, and what has it been like for you in terms of blogging? Like, what sort of topics have you blogged about? Or what were the most important topics in mental health that you've talked about? Um, because um, psychology is user generated, so um, I would say that um, ninety percent of the articles that's getting published on psychology. Uh, written by the readers um, and the 10% that I published myself um, I'll share your secret these are sponsored content so these are these are the articles that pays for the running of the website and what sort of things so I sorry I, I don't really talk about um, mental health issues myself uh, or on on Psychredge, um the the things that I write about site um, uh, for Psychredge are basically press releases or sponsored contents or sometimes just just general well-being articles. Oh, I gotcha. And what are some of the things that your users share or your readers? Um, um, it's 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 a mixed bag. Some of some of the articles are mental health stories and also um. Um, academics, they also share their current research. And also there are um, practitioners, psychotherapists and psychologists. Um, they write about their, um, basically the, about their clinic, about the services that they offer. Mm -hmm. and yeah. So can you tell us a little bit about your journey and what brought you to blogging? Especially coming yeah, from the so, Philippines? Yeah, so um, I originally came from the Philippines. Um, I came here in the UK in 2013 to do my master's degree. Um, I spent my childhood in a slum in the Philippines. I grew up in Malabon. Um, growing up, um, we don't have electricity, we don't have toilet, we don't have running water. But as a child, you don't really see it as a problem. Um, but I only realized that it's it's um, it's a diff it's a different kind of world where um, I spent my childhood um, when I when I went to the university. But I think um, what I always say to people is that um, I I'm not trying to make it like um, a sub story when I share that I grew up in the slum. I think what I want to convey to people is that um, we all have our own struggles in life, but. Uh, what I want to share to people is that you have to be resilient, um, whether you're struggling with mental health issues or whether you have um, other problems with your life, um, relationships or finances, you have to be resilient. And I think um, resilience is a very um, important attribute that we have to learn in life. Um, yeah. You know, and you know, sometimes we talk about on the show logotherapy and Dr. Viktor Frankl and his book *Man's Search for Meaning*. And I mean, for me, I think it's been pretty much like a foundational, a foundational work for my kind of clinical work and my own sort of life and my own sort of struggles. And I think the thing mm -hmm. that we learned from him is that humanity is sort of capable of such amazing things, especially well, not especially, but particularly in this case, in the context of severe trauma. And so, I mean, mm -hmm. my question for you is going to be: How are you able to overcome that? I mean, that must have been horrific. 
Um, I, I always um, remind myself that, you know, um, when you're struggling with something, there are more people who have um, worse condition than you. So um, nothing really in life is insurmountable. You can always find a way to improve your life. And uh, I think you also you can also draw strength from um, the support of people around you. Um, I'm, I'm very lucky that I have very um, supportive parents. I have supportive family. Um, yeah, my husband is also very supportive. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah. so in terms of your struggle, what were some of the things that were particularly helpful for you? Like what were some of the things that people said or people did for you that made you think that, you know what, there's a reason to keep on going and to keep on living? Um, oh, I don't know how to answer that question. <laughs> Um, I think, I think, um, I think, um, poverty, I think that that's one, um, I, I would say that if not for my chemistry teacher in high school, I would not have gone to university. Um, it was her who made me realize that going to university is a game changer. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm the first one in the family to go to university and, um, looking back, um, yeah, I think going to university really played a significant role in me um, going out of the slum. Because um, if if I did not go to university, I think I would still be living. We would still be living in a slum. Um, uh, yeah, it, it it just changed everything. Because um, after after I finished um, my degree, I was able to get a job at a call center, and then I used what I've earned um, to pay for my master's degree and then i soon became a university lecturer oh wow and then i got i got a scholarship here to do another master's degree and it, it basically um education played a significant role in changing my life was it scary for you to to go from from your home to university like that that decision and and then the journey there yeah, um, it was quite challenging because um, um, I'm the first one to go to university and obviously um, going to university, I think um, it doesn't matter whether which country it is, but going to university is kind of um, a middle class thing. So um, being coming from Islam, it's really quite foreign to me, like, um, like what, how, how does, how, how will going to university benefit me, you know, like, because my parents never been to university, so yeah. But but I just I just persevered, and also um, I also have to I also have to work while I was a student. Um, I was working at a burger van in the evening um, to pay for my tuition fee. Um, yeah. Well, and interestingly, so anytime that I kind of well, not anytime, but a lot of the times when I hear stories about trauma and resilience, there's always some major sort of figure in the kind of in the center of it all. So there's always some teacher or some kind of like, um, what would you call it? I guess like an inspirational figure who inspires a person. Was that your chemistry teacher or was it someone else? Um, it was my chemistry teacher because um, um, she, she just encouraged me to, to go to university. She said, um, it, it's a game changer. Yeah. What, what did she tell you she saw in you? What was it that sort of gave you that hope? Um, cause she, she I, I think she realized that um, I'm quite hardworking, I'm quite diligent because um, I always do all the assignments even though I'm struggling because chemistry is not an easy subject. No, <laughs> and, 
not I'm not very I'm not really um how do I say it? I'm not really into hard science. Mm -hmm. uh, so I, I don't really excel in her class, but she 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 probably saw in me that even though I'm I struggle with her class, um I, I still I, I still stick with it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And from when you started to kind of learn about psychology, was it as a way for you to better understand yourself or sort of your situation? Uh, going to uh, university and then doing psychology was kind of accidental. Um, I was intending to go to do biology or engineering. But then I realized I'm not really into um, hard science, so I just pick up psychology out of nothing but when I was already in my second year um, I realized that this is an important um, this is an important course because um, you learn about behavior which of course um, it makes you deal with um, people more effectively and you also understand about yourself and um, yeah on well, my second year I learned to appreciate the value of psychology as a discipline did it help you to relate to the other students more as you started learning more about um, how your own behavior worked and their behavior worked? Did you open up more and did they open up more? Yeah, um, I, I, I remained um, an introvert, even though when I was at university, I only had one close, one, two close friends while I was at university. But I think um, one of the important um, learnings that I got from um, studying psychology is that um, human nature is varied it's it's um it's it's unique so you just have to embrace your unique personality you just have to um embrace um whether you're an introvert you just have to embrace it and then um just make the most out of it yeah and what would you say are some of the most important psychology or psychological concepts for people to know about um i'm not a big fan of sigmund freud but i think um same here i'm not either <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm not a big fan of him, but he's. I think he he has made an important contribution to psychology because he's the first. I think he's one of the first few people who um, made us realize that we can really study behavior um, in in a scientific way. Mm -hmm. and, yeah. and in terms of like, I wonder. So, because you know, tense. Well, the way sort of people view psychology sometimes is the way they view philosophy. So they would say, well, I mean, it's like this nice sort of academic -y science, right? We don't really understand how it would apply to our particular lives. Like, yeah, we might learn some stuff about kind of how human nature works, right? But how would that sort of affect my life in the day-to-day? -day? What would you say to those people? Because um, psychology is a very, it's a very wide field. It's a very wide discipline. Um, there's there's um, neuropsychology, there's biological psychology, and there's positive psychology. And when you're studying psychology, you just have to pick um, which um, subfield in psychology you can um, you can make more sense out of um, out of studying it. So um, for me, I I I more comfortable studying psychology um, from positive psychology. So uh, and also health psychology. So that's why when um, I chose my research project. I explored um, the health benefits or the psychological benefits of um, therapeutic writing. Mm -hmm. yeah. And can you, for our audience, can you tell us what positive psychology is? Yeah, so basically positive psychology is um, the subfield of psychology which says um, that we can grow as a person 
and it also explores how we can um, basically um, improve ourselves. Um, yeah. And what are um, some searching for meaning? Yeah, searching for meaning. Oh, love that! That's literally what our show is about. Yeah. So uh, yeah. I know you talked about resilience, and I know that's something that's discussed in positive psychology. But are there any mm -hmm. other um, maybe concepts in positive psychology that, that you resonate with that kind of speak to you? Yeah, I um, growth and self-esteem. Um, I think those two are very important. Um, um, it's important that we look for. Um, ways to improve ourselves and also to promote our self-esteem. Mm. And what do you think of the concept of self-actualization? Yeah, self-actualization, that's also another popular concept in positive psychology that we have to look, uh, we, we should try to improve our lives so that we can, you know, reach that um, level of self-actualization um, according to Maslow. Mm. One, yeah. one thing that, um, that I particularly like is the last episode that we did, we were discussing self-actualization. And mm -hmm. the relationship between self-actualization and this sort of self-transcendence in, in, mm -hmm. in terms of the fact that you kind of shed your old identity and you're kind of in this sort of phase of growth and expansion. And mm -hmm. what's and it's something I'm particularly passionate about, um, identity in terms of um, or identity in positive psychology, because I feel like it's usually your identity that can either make or break you that maybe either holds you back or um, mm -hmm. if you know more about yourself, it's what can bring you to uh, better places in life and so contribute to, to growth and contribute to growth. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think it's important for you to um, recognize your um, strengths and weaknesses as part of your identity. Um, like what I've told you, I'm not really into, I'm not really into, um, hard science, so I did not um, go on to do biology, I did not go on to do engineering, um, yeah, I just did psychology, and um, yeah, I, th I think you, it's important that you understand your limits as a person, but um, recognizing your limits, that should not really, um, you know, discourage you from doing other things. Um, I think another example would be um, driving lesson. Um, I I I had several driving lessons in my life. I'm the only one in in the family who can't drive. Uh, I, 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 I uh, eventually I just gave up. I realized that it's not for me. That um, I I couldn't drive, but it did not limit me to um, go to the place where I want to go. Um, yeah, I always say that I don't drive, but I've been to more than 20 countries, so I don't think I'm doing that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like that. I respect that. <laughs> and so, Dennis, what do you think the world would be like if more people kind of studied psychology? Or if more people knew about the fundamentals of even, let's say, positive psychology? Sorry? Yeah, so what do you think the world would be like if more people studied psychology or knew the fundamentals of positive psychology in particular? I think we will be more... Um, tolerant and we will be more forgiving about the differences um yeah i think um a lot of people um do not understand uh, um um humanity and personality are so diverse that you ju just don't have to look life in one perspective so if we all study pers um if we all study psychology i think um there's more humanity yeah yeah there, there's there's this kind of um there's an intro to this sort of nuanced thinking, right? You can you can see that there's multiple perspectives out there, 
um, for example, I mean, I'm, again, I'm not trying to get into this, but let's say in politics, right? People can be so polarized. But mm -hmm. uh, if, if let's say they understood psychology to a degree, they might try mm -hmm. to actually try to understand mm -hmm. each other and where they're coming from politically. Not to get political right mm -hmm. now. I'm not trying to steer the conversation there. Oh, you want to talk about politics? No, no, no. Political as well. Yeah, I'm a Brexit supporter. Oh, wow. Yeah. But right, yeah, right. If, if let's say you're, you're coming from that angle and you're explaining your position, wouldn't it be uh, great if somebody actually fully listened to you and perhaps then gave their own points and then listened to you again and then kind of had a back and forth with you as opposed to this sort of impulse reaction of this is my side, this is your side, I think this way, you're wrong because you don't think the way I think, blah, 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 like that sort of line of thinking. Yeah, um, yeah, it's, it's important that you um, kind of um, mention something about politics and um, what, how could psychology um, potentially improve um, the way we deal with people. Uh, yeah, um, I, I think when we when we try to, um, if if we have a background in psychology, it could help us understand that you know there's there's no single way of looking at things, um, um, whether in politics or in other aspects of life. Uh, yeah, because um, like, like I already mentioned it earlier, um, I'm, I'm a Brexit supporter, but I, I try to, I try to, uh, I do not judge people based on like um, how, how they supported um, Brexit, um, whether they want to be part of the EU or not. Um, yeah. Uh, but so sometimes I get I get quite frustrated with um, with because because here in the UK um, Brexit is quite um, a, a divided issue. Um, I, I I get frustrated with people like if they find out that you're um, you supported Brexit, um, like how could you, like yeah uh, we we have differences, but we we have to learn, we have to respect. You know, we have to respect our differences. Yeah, and before making that judgment of, uh, like you said, like, oh, how could you think this way? It'd be better to yeah. first under try to, before even that judgment, see why do you think this way? And then this is what I think. And then what do you think about what I think? And kind of, yeah, yeah that way. Or, you know, just to switch from politics, let's say to relationships. Uh, yeah. Say you're with your significant other. And, yeah. you know, the, it's fairly commonplace for uh, people to get into little uh, arguments or disagreements um, mm -hmm. somewhere down the line. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. and if, let's say people in a relationship understood certain tenets of psychology, uh, multiple mm -hmm. perspectives, uh, how, to, how to really uh, listen and kind of break things down. Yeah. That, that could be very helpful. That can foster a really health, uh, healthy relationship, uh, potentially. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the, the, this actually reminds me of because um, just about a month ago, I was at an international conference in Malaysia and um, one of the keynote speakers um, he's obviously not um, a, a fan of Trump. And he said that um, something along the lines of like um, being a Trump supporter is um, stupid. And um, well, it's quite interesting to to see that a lot of the audience seem to agree with him and well you could probably understand uh you could probably um realize now that i'm also aside from being a brexit supporter i'm also a trump supporter and sometimes when i when i say that to people yep oh 
just a moment, everybody. We <laughs> seem to have Dennis has left the convo, but that's okay. Hmm. Well, that's a great part. To exit. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> like, what are the odds that like that is the exit? All right, so. Yeah. Sorry for that disconnect. It was at a very pivotal point in the conversation, too. <laughs> I forgot what I was saying. Now. You know what's funny? It disconnected at the point when uh, Trump was brought up. And then after disconnected, I was oh thinking, God. oh, no. Does he think we hung up? Because he said Trump. It, <laughs> it was an internet issue. <laughs> no, no. No, no. Resilient. Yeah, so... <laughs> So that, that person uh, who uh, was at the conference and got the whole crowd to um, agree with them when they said that they were not a Trump supporter, do you think that it's because yeah. they had authority because they were speaking in front of a crowd and that's why the crowd went with them? Or do you think... Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah, I, I, actually, that, that's, what, that's what I find interesting because I, I, as I was saying earlier, um, there seems to be an obsession or there seems to be, uh, you know, like, well, in, in in social sciences and in psychology, um, there seems to be only one point of view that is rather um, represented, and it's funny because these are the disciplines who are quite um, vocal about um, diversity. So I was saying that because um, he's the first um, person of color to be appointed in that position. Um, I'm I'm not going to say that the name of the society, but he's the first person of color to be appointed in, on that position, and before that. He actually um, preceded the first um, woman to be appointed as the president of the society. So I was thinking, like, um, I was, what I said during the conference is that this this is well and good that we're trying to achieve diversity, that you're the first person of color to be on that position, and he's the first um, woman um, to be appointed in that position. But what we seem to be missing is that when we're trying to promote um, diversity in psychology or any other social science field, we seem to be not um, promoting the diversity of thought. So that's why it was rather easy for him to express his opinion about Trump. But if someone is express his opinion about Obama, it would have been a different story because you could easily say that that person is racist. And so I said that, well, for a change, um, I am an immigrant myself, but I support Trump's policy and I also support Brexit. Um, but the thing is that, um, that that's quite unusual because the thing is in, in fields such as psychology, um, I don't know if you've heard about um, Jordan Peterson, yes. um, the, the Canadian psychologist. Um, um, people like him who's got those views are rather un underrepresented in the field of psychology. Um, and also, um, I don't know if you know the publication Quillette. It's, it's an Australian publication um, founded by Claire Lemon. Um, the, those opinions um, by, uh, I also don't know if you have heard, heard about um, Noah Carl. Um, he's a psychologist at Cambridge, was kicked um, because of his um, research on intelligence. So what I was saying is that um, well, when we're trying to promote the discipline of psychology, we should also actively promote um, diversity of thought. You know, um, not, 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 not everyone in psychology thinks the same. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. For, for also, what, what's yeah. interesting is when we're presented with certain figures in media, 
For instance, uh, mm -hmm. for example, let's say Jordan Peterson. Um, I'm, uh, I'm aware of him. Uh, I've seen him, let's say, on Joe Rogan's mm -hmm. podcast. And uh, from what I've mm -hmm. seen, I, I definitely like him from a more nuanced perspective. But then I'll say this mm -hmm. too. The way he's portrayed in the media, it's, mm -hmm. he's just instantly sort of, uh, let's say, demonized, you can say. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. what's interesting is that a lot of people who are uh, watching this, whatever whatever outlet mm -hmm. he's on, they draw an instant, uh, like an impulse sort of uh, judgment on him based on how he's presented. Mm -hmm. They wouldn't mm -hmm. look necessarily into the nuance of who he is and what he's about. And they may just, when mm -hmm. asked about Jordan Peterson, also instantly demonize him or toss him to the side. And I feel like that's... Mm -hmm. um, unfortunate because we should be trying to see um who these people are uh totally mm -hmm. not just one perspective mm -hmm. of who mm -hmm. they're portrayed to be and i think that's very mm -hmm. important because sometimes when you fully learn about who a person is you may you may see that there's more to the story you you may actually then mm -hmm. begin to appreciate the person or see where they're coming mm -hmm. from and maybe still disagree with them on some levels but respect mm -hmm. them as opposed to demonize them. Yeah. Well, I think yeah. I yeah. I also think that that's depending though. So I mean, it depends on what their perceptions or their views are. Obviously, because there are some views that are just outright racist and sexist. No, I yeah. agree with you. Yeah, that's true. Um, it's just that sometimes we're only getting part of the story. Mm -hmm. And what's important about mm -hmm. what Dennis is talking about is that we should try to learn all we can about. Um, these people and then mm. draw conclusions from it or, or also mm. rather respect their diversity of thought mm. uh, but I agree with yes if you're gonna let's say somebody's a legitimate sexist or a legitimate racist mm. yeah mm. I agree with you mm. that's a different story it depends on what they're saying but I see his I see his no, no, point. no I hear yeah. you and I, I think the point that both of you guys are making essentially is that we need to give people a fair chance to speak or also yeah. just take a nuanced look at them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, that yeah. that I absolutely yeah. agree with. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. So, I mean, and Dennis, for you, in terms of just kind of to go back to blogging, how do you feel like blogging, if at all, has helped people empathize with each other? Uh, I think um, blogging plays a role in giving people an additional outlet to express themselves. Because um, especially when you're talking about mental health, um, there are certain um, aspects of mental health that you're not comfortable talking with a mental health professional or talking with your family or friends. Uh, you're more comfortable sharing it to um, a mental health blog because you know that the readers of mental health blog um, can relate to the lived experience that you're having um, in terms of mental health. Um, there's actually a research, I just forgot who the author is, but it was done in 2013 and that more and more people, um, adolescents, um, young people who are experiencing mental health, they're more comfortable expressing themselves through blogging rather than talking to a mental health professional. And I um, that's, that's an important um, aspect that mental health professionals should realize that um, there's something that prevents um, prevents um, people who are struggling with mental health seeking professional help. So if, if, if these people go to blogging, perhaps they should try to um, try to diversify um, how they, they reach to these people. And what do you think it is about blogging that makes it easier for them to express themselves? If you had to guess. Because um, uh, 
Yeah, one one of the key um, elements of planning is that it's it's professional. It's I'm sorry, it's it's personal. Um, it's personal in the way that it's pretty much like you know the, the way you 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 keep a diary. It's um, the the language is more forgiving. It doesn't really care about grammar and punctuation or or the appropriate use of of words. And um, yeah, it's 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 conversational. So I think that's why blogging is so popular. And yeah, way back when Tumblr was still there, um, yeah, people love it that you could you could just express just in 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 a few words. Yeah, and and of course, um, everyone can create a blog. Um, um, it only takes a few minutes for you to create your blog. So, yeah, I, I think that's why it's so popular. And that's why um, a lot of people love to express themselves through blog. And of course, um, blogging comes in many forms. Um, it's not just textual. Um, you could also create. Um, you could also create a photo blog. You could also create a video blog, um, like such as this one. Um, you can express yourself in in YouTube yeah. and all that. Um, I, I know you didn't say the name of the person who created that study in 2013, but it is very interesting, though, that that highlights something very important, which is um, if there's a sort of sense of privacy that a person feels in their expression, they're basically yeah. expressing themselves, you can argue, if not 100% close to 100% of what it is they're truly feeling inside, especially if they don't want to speak, yeah. let's say, to... Uh, a therapist or someone in their family or somebody close to them about what they're feeling. Mm -hmm. And that mm -hmm. is very interesting because then mm -hmm. what you're doing is a huge service. If you really, really think about it, because giving all these um, people a chance to talk about what it is they're feeling in a place that's specifically for mental health, that's, mm -hmm. that's tremendous. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, interestingly, what I found is like even through my own blogging. So when I was like much younger, well, not even much younger, but when I was younger, it was much, it was much, much harder for me to be vulnerable with people. And so I found that blogging like an in incremental steps as I wrote more sort of personal and deeper articles that it was much easier for me to sort of come out about, let's say kind of personal lived experiences and the way I maybe perceived myself at certain points in my life. And so little by little, I would open up about different things in terms of my kind of my childhood, my relationship with my stepfather um you know i talked about being bullied and all of these different things and the beauty of blogging is that like you kind of opened up a little bit you get really good feedback from people who've experienced the same things and they're like wow yo my god i can't believe it i thought i was the only one who felt this way <laughs> and then you open up a little bit more and then some other people or maybe the same people are like wow oh my god i had the same experience and sort of little by little you find that through blog like through blogging that it's a really great foundation and a sort of way to build intimacy with other people that you kind of do it in writing first where it's a little bit safe it's hard for me to call it safe because it is the internet and it's full of like really terrible trolls but the, <laughs> but yeah but the point is that with blogging like with the people who do give you positive feedback it gives you the reassurance that not only are you not alone in the world that there are people who do want to empathize with you but then also you're not like a freak and that's kind of what i learned about myself i was like wow like i have all of these experiences that other people have had and they're like yeah you know what that actually is pretty normal and I think that a lot of us learn that through writing and through obviously presenting ourselves or, or presenting ourselves through our work to other people. Yeah. Yeah. Is that Dennis? Is that the way you felt? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I I totally agree with what you said about you know um, being more comfortable expressing yourself through blogging. Um, yeah. Because I think I think there's also an element of you know being anonymous because when you share your mental health stories, you don't really have to reveal your identity. 
pay and um there's also a number of people who will be reading it you know that you could perfectly relate to what you're going through yeah and have you ever shared some of your stories about what it was like growing up in the philippines uh i usually share it not through writing but through um um podcasts such as this one um and also um, at radio station and tv hmm. and what, what's the sort of feedback that you've received uh i don't want people to feel sorry about me like uh you know like growing up in islam um uh, i always try to um convey the message that um it's it's resilience you know like um it it, it is by growing up in islam but um you, you should not feel sorry about me yeah yeah well how do people usually feel when they hear your stories do they ever tell you that it helps them i i think they're they're inspired like um especially here in the uk that they say that you know with all of the resources here that you could go to university here for free um that you should really um seize the opportunity of trying to improve your life through education and you should not take things for granted you know like like toilet like electricity or running water because um in other parts of the world there are people that um would happily have those um resources um which actually brings me back to um um i, I don't want to sound political but there, there was um there was um there was a report um two days ago on sky news i don't know if you, if you knew sky news yeah i know of it. but um um there, there was a report about um, a mom. Um, she was housed on a on a container van, and the the way it was reported is that she was she was not happy about it. She's complaining, and I can't help but actually um, sent a tweet um, to Skynia saying that you know what um, this is the picture of um, the place where I grew up. Um, I, I showed a picture of 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 Islam in the Philippines, and I told her that. Um, you're so lucky because you, you you it's it's provided to um to you by the council. Um, it may not be your ideal home, but you're getting it for free. Yeah. Um, what I was saying is that uh, my parents um, we don't have the luxury of of running water, electricity, and a toilet, but they managed to raise all three kids decently. So um, what I'm saying is that um it, it reminds me of them a quote. I don't know who said it. Um, probably Ellen Keller when she said that. Um, I used to, uh, I, com I cry because I don't have shoes uh, and then I see a man without, without a feet, um, so somewhere along the, those lines. Um, but before you complain, um, try, try to realize how, how lucky you, you are, how fortunate you are. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, just a question, what do you think uh, blocks us from becoming aware of that? Because every time I'm aware of what you're talking about, I, yeah. all of my petty little issues uh, fall, <laughs> fall away from me. Um, and that's interesting. Uh, why do you think people don't think like that as often? Um, uh, why, why do you think like we're not aware of that at all times, this sort of relative, uh, like how good we might have it relative to someone else and maybe it's not proper to complain and things mm -hmm. of that nature? Um. I, I'm sorry, it's the question, but the, the, the way I understood it is that what, um, what you're saying is that how can um, blogging change that thinking, like the, the, the complaining, is that what you're asking? Um, 
Well, we can, we can go there, absolutely. What I was actually saying is, what do you think is blocking us uh, from being aware of the fact that uh, some of our issues, at least in modern yeah. society, aren't, yeah. aren't like that of those in uh, other parts of the world? Uh, why, do you, what do you yeah. think, why do you think we don't think like that all the time? Uh, I, I think that um, you have to realize that um, when you have a bug, you have a platform. So um, use it not to complain about what you don't have, but rather use it to inspire other people. You know, like um, I, that's that's what I'm trying to achieve with my blog. Um, um, I, I use it as a platform for people to share their the mental health um, issues, their mental health stories, but. Um, I'm giving them a platform not because I want them to um, wallow in the problems, but because I want it to be a source of inspiration. Um, yeah. Hmm. I mean, I would also argue that it's, you know, kind of two faceted or multifaceted where so sometimes people think it's one or the other. So there are people obviously on the left who argue that it's not so much grit or resilience that we need to instill in people, but we need to work towards mm -hmm. structural societal change, which I actually obviously because mm -hmm. I am on the left and because I agree with your argument, I do think it's true. Mm -hmm. But then also I think there are parts of uh, being on the right. It's true, too, where people say that, you know, we need to kind of help um, develop resilience and grit in people. So I don't mm -hmm. necessarily think in this case it's either or where it's to say that okay we, we should be grateful and not complain or you know let's say we're obviously ungrateful and then complain i think we could do both i think mm -hmm. that we could build up grit and resilience and still work toward changing the things that need to be changed like especially in terms mm -hmm. of eradicating poverty i mean that is a structural mm -hmm. change that needs to occur mm -hmm. yeah, well, yeah. yeah yeah i i think um blogging plays a role in the sense that um it can um raise awareness it can raise consciousness um whether politics or mental health and uh, yeah, I always say that blogging is all about creating conversations and um, these conversations could potentially create those structural changes that we demand. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. yeah. And um, Dennis, uh, that, uh, that podcast that you were talking about before, um, what, what's mm -hmm. it called? Oh, the podcast um, is called The Mental Breakdown. Um, so it's basically it's the podcast arm of Psychbridge. So it's hosted by Dr. Bernie Wilkinson and Dr. Um, Richard Marshall. Um, they teach at Webster University. Hmm. Hmm. That's really cool. Yeah. yeah, we could find it on yeah. uh, YouTube, so, right? Yeah, and I'll, I'll, I'll be happy to introduce you to, to them because I think they would be interested to have you. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, they, they, they do cover um, a range of um, topics in psychology. Um, yeah, so basically, uh, the, the target audience is anyone who's just interested about psychology, mental health, and well-being. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah, after after this um, um, video call, I'll I'll be happy to send you an email just to introduce you to Bernie. And oh wow, that's appreciate yeah, that. that's really Thank cool. You. Thank you so much, man. Yeah, yeah welcome. Yeah. And if we wanted to uh, follow you online, where where could we find um, you? Yeah, um, it's it's funny because um, uh, I used to be a social media manager, but I tried to limit my um, social media activities. I try to avoid Facebook um, most of the time. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm on Twitter, so just Google my name. Um, just search for my name on Twitter, Dennis Rillo Howell. I'm also on LinkedIn, and I have a YouTube channel, but I'm not on Facebook, not on Instagram. And what is the Twitter handle of your Psychrag website? 
Psychrage. Uh, just Psychrage. Psychrage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What's the Twitter handle for it? Uh, Psychrage. It's P S Y C H R E G. Psychrage. Awesome. And so, just I mean, now I'm curious since you brought it up. So, I mean, what do you see as the link between mental health slash mental illness and social media? Um, I'm quite on the positive side about social media. I think um, social media is good in trying to um, promote conversations about um, about mental health. But of course, um, we have to be quite. Uh, we we have to limit ourselves with. Um, how much we spend on social media. Um, one reason that I don't, I'm not on Instagram and I'm not on Facebook because I don't like, you know, like taking pictures of um, places you've been or the food that you've eaten and then posting it on Facebook. I find that, I, I don't know what's the word for that. Narcissistic? Uh, Self-indulgent? Yeah, I don't like it. I don't like it. Um, but I, li I, like, I like the... Uh, I like the ecosystem within Twitter because Twitter is more for like networking and uh, networking with people with the same interests, just like how I found you guys um, it's, it's because of Twitter. Yeah. And also that um, Dr. Bernie and Dr. Richard is because of Twitter. So Twitter is like, there's, there's, it, there's still an element of, you know, like um, bragging in, in Twitter, but it's not as blatant as Facebook. Yeah, yeah. And it's mostly academics sort of bragging on Twitter. It's not so much um, like people posting like Instagram photos of trips that they've taken. <laughs> yeah. And, and also, it's like, because on Facebook, you seem to be bragging with people that you know. So that's kind of like in your face bragging. Right. Whereas in Twitter, you're, you're bragging with strangers. So they don't really know if, you're, if that's bragging or just a bit of sharing it's like you're sort of going away to brag so your friends won't hate you and everybody on twitter can oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and so that is i mean just kind of from my own curiosity if let's say somebody were to sort of ask you who were struggling you know like how do i develop grit or how do i sort of become more resilient what would you say to them um how do you develop resilience um, um probably the best way um, I, I would say read the book of um, Angela Duckworth. Um, she's got an interesting book um, called Grit. And you can also find her on YouTube. She's well, She raised a number of points about um, promoting um, grit and resilience. And also you have to, I, I think you have to remind yourselves of what other people have gone through. Um, like with me, like if there's something like um, something really difficult or something uncomfortable, I have to remind myself like, what, what about the people during the war? Like they, they, they were able to survive. They were able to thrive um, with their situation. So surely this is nothing compared to what they've done, what they've been through. Yeah. yeah. And that's why I often cite, or not often, but as often as I can, I cite Viktor Frankl's Man's Search for Meaning. I mean, especially with clients of yep. mine, because if that man could have survived the Holocaust and still have come out a really wonderful human being, exactly. yeah, I think it, like, mm. it's possible for pretty much any of us to do anything close to that, obviously, in context of the experiences mm. that we've experienced, which were nothing like that. 100%. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 Well, Alan, final questions, thoughts? Honestly, no, but it, honestly, it's, a, it's been a pleasure speaking with you, Dennis. Uh, I, I feel... like talking to you both. Yeah. Uh, I feel this sort of like, um, I don't know, I feel very comfortable with you. Like, for example, the way, like, let's, say, let's say at the beginning of the call when you were talking about how you grew up as an introvert 
and your chemistry teacher inspired you. I can I, honestly, I, I can relate to like things like that. I don't know. Um, it feels like talking with a friend right now. So it's it's nice. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. And my. I, I we could collaborate together because I also organize events um, dedicated for mental health bloggers. Oh, cool. Um, it, it, it actually started like this. I was talking to someone in America and then he came here and he was actually one of the speakers at my conference last December. Mm -hmm. wow. Oh, wow. That's really cool, yeah. man. Let's keep in touch and um, let's, let's find opportunities to collaborate. Yeah, absolutely. And then so, I mean, my final question is, and I mean, this is going to be a little bit broad, so obviously, okay, if it's kind of tough to answer. So what would you say in terms of sort of overcoming trauma or in terms of resilient is or resiliency is one of the, if not the most important factor? I think you have to acknowledge um, how you feel about the situation. That's, that's, um, I think that's important. Like, um, that you're not happy with it, that you're not comfortable with it, but you also have the desire to improve your condition, improve your situation, and that you're willing to take the risk and you're willing to seek professional support. Mm, determination. Yeah, yeah determination. All right, thanks. And also, um, yeah, I, th I think um, it's also important that you, 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 you have um, the humility to acknowledge that you need other people's help. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I I really love that Absolutely. answer. Yeah. A lot of time. Yeah. A lot of times it's this pick up, pick yourself up by the bootstraps mentality, which doesn't really. So obviously, depending on what your struggle is, obviously some people can in yeah. whatever context, right? Let's let's say maybe minor to moderate. But if let's say somebody's struggling mm -hmm. with severe depression or even a lot of times moderate depression, they need help, and that's okay. It's okay for all yeah. of us to ask for help. Yeah. yeah exactly. Yeah. yeah. But thank you. Yeah, so just, uh, yeah, I think we have to um, um, understand resilience that it's not just about, you know, like being so greedy and being so, you know, that I can do it on my own. But it's also um, the, the courage to seek help. Um, that's also an important element of um, being resilient. Yeah, being interdependent, working with other people, um, them mm -hmm. seeking help from you, you seeking help from them, collaborating. Mm -hmm. It's it's amazing what can be done when when people work in a team. Um, I could definitely say that with this uh, podcast for sure. This wouldn't be possible uh, with without us. Without more, if it was just myself doing it, I I don't think we would have gotten as far as we've gotten, and we would not be able to meet people like yourself. And it's it's truly it's truly inspirational what it, what it means to to work together with others. Yeah. yeah, and I feel like we all do need each other. Like, yeah. I mean, to a very good extent. And it's I actually I say something similar to that with my clients, right? So, like, I have a private practice and I'm a business owner. And especially here in America, I mean, I'm sure it's kind of similar in the UK too. There's this mentality of, oh, if you're a business owner, you're self-made. That you pretty much have sort of picked yourself up and you've created this sort of conglomerate, and you are the only one who is sort of responsible for it. So, not true. So, my clients are the foundation of my work. If I didn't have them, mm -hmm. if they didn't sort of seek my help or even the times helped me, obviously, not just financially in terms of supporting me, but helping me in terms of my own sort of quest and my own sort of introspection and my own knowledge. I mean, this the whole my, my entire business wouldn't exist. So it's like sometimes we have to kind of humble ourselves and understand that we need each other, that there's no such thing as an, as an independent person, not in any sense of the term. Yeah, and and I'd, I'd like to bring back um, um, that to blogging because... You know, blogs would not exist without the readers, without the contributors. Um, yeah, that's why Sacrage exists, um, because of 
of readers um, because of the people who contribute to to the website. Yeah, and I can also imagine that the bloggers on SiteRage pretty much like help other people seek help. Yeah, because um, because obviously they're sharing their uh, and they're sharing their passion about mental health. Yeah. Well, Dennis, <laughs> it was a pleasure having you on. Thanks, thanks for coming on and have a Thank great you. day. Thank you. And guys, if you want to follow us, follow us at Seize the Moment Podcast on Instagram and Facebook and at Seize underscore podcast on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Uh, remember to hit the subscribe button. Hit the bell. Like the video. Mm-hmm. Hit the bell. And yeah, see you next time.